Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 11th episode of the VG Podcast. There's, uh, I've covered James Bond already in the, um, pre- in the previous special episode that I did, so I won't be covering that here. And we're coming up on Halloween, and I wanted to do a, maybe a quicker little podcast. We'll see how it goes. Um, first, um, first thing I want to talk about is, I mean, I, I mean, I basically have to talk about Squid Game. I mean, there's no, there's no other way about it. I mean, it's the show that really took over between my last podcast and this. When I did my last podcast, which, well, my last episode podcast, not like special episode, but like episode 10, that was in September, and that was around about when the episodes first came out, and that's when nobody really knew about it. It was the thing that just came out on Netflix, and it was like, yeah, okay, we'll see. But as the time went on, that was that show became like huge, and I'm like, well, I don't normally like to jump in on shows because like that are popular immediately on Netflix because sometimes they can be a little overhyped, and I just don't. I, the popularity scares me because sometimes the thing that's popular is the things that aren't good, but I gave, I did want to like, you know, watch an episode or two and see how good it was. And the first two, I watched the first two episodes and that was a good thing because those two episodes are like the perfect, like setup for the show. It's it's one of those shows that's popular for a reason because it's, just that good it's just like that good of a show it's it's worth watching no matter what um this will be another segment of the show where i beat on the drum of subtitles versus dubs you gotta watch this show in korean with subtitles whatever you know whatever your primary language is Watch it with those subtitles because you are getting much more of the experience by watching it that way. It's it. I've seen clips of the English dub of Netflix, and I couldn't watch it like that. I couldn't take it seriously like that. I, 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 I'm, and it. When I started watching it, it was a good thing because that's when it came out where people were specifically saying you have to watch it Korean with sub with english subtitles but avoid english closed captioning because english closed captioning is not the same and it's not as good of a translation i've seen you know examples of those two where it'll be more broad and unspecific while the actual subtitles will actually say what the what the intended effect is supposed to be it's it's not as broadly written and not as good so korean with subtitle english subtitles not closed captions um it's nine episodes obviously if you haven't watched it it's about a series of escalating children's games that give that the winner of which will get a large cash prize but the the twist is that when you get eliminated from the game you get killed and some basically usually either shot or you know if it's like the case of the tug of war episode 
you have you've followed your death or the glass pane um, walkway episode where you again potentially are going to fall to your death and that that's one thing that I wanted to say about the show is that it's very very creative with how the games are set up and the way the what you have to do in order to not get killed and it, it it's an interesting twist on the survival show or the survival movie where a lot of times the people in control of the games are like total power hungry people and they they could or could not be power hungry but these games are more just fun for them and that and that's part of the theme of the show of social of the class structure you know the 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 disparity between the rich and the poor which is a I, th I think that's also part of why it has such a broad appeal because that speaks to i mean almost every culture in the world i mean i would think like there's usually there's some kind of issues between the disparity of the rich and the poor and so that broadens the appeal of the show and plus netflix did the smart thing and when they released the show they released it and i think it was like 34 no sorry 37 subtitle tracks for different languages 37 different languages translated for the show in subtitles that also helped the show so even if you no matter what country you were in there would be subtitles for your language and you would still be able to enjoy and have fun watching the show it, it they, that was a smart thing that that netflix did um i got I got my uh, my cheap uh, Squid Game outfit costume for Halloween, but I don't have a mask, so I'm gonna have to figure out how I'm gonna get a mask. So who know who knows when that'll happen? But either way, uh, Squid Game is a show that's absolutely worth watching. There's some people who binged it in a day, which I I wouldn't be. I like most most shows. I can't binge like if they're super long, like. Like, the only exception would be Love, Death, and Robots. With both of those seasons, I watched all the episodes in the first day. But that's also a show that's comprised of some episodes that are just five minutes long, and another episode that may be eight minutes long, and then another episode that may be 15, you know? And so it's easier to just be like, well, I want to watch the next one, next one, next one. You would normally dedicate maybe like an hour for me and about an hour or two hours to watching any kind of show that I'm watching and so I'd be able to watch every episode of this and still have the time filled and I did that with um season two as well season two I, I actually watched season two of love death and robots twice in one day but that's but coming back to squid game the length of the show is a little too long for me to binge but it's worth watching episode to episode, although there are some episodes that you are going to want to watch back to back. I'm I'm particularly thinking about episodes four and five. Watch episodes four and five as a combination. Um, it, when you and when you if you haven't seen the show, you'll know why. Um, another good pairing of episodes would be episodes one and two, because uh, for me that really establishes the rules of the game and the rules of the universe. 
and it also shows that the people running the game aren't these power-hungry, crazy people. The fact that people can vote and say, hey, I think we should leave and end the games, and it's like, okay, well, if everyone wants to leave, then that's fine, you know. <laughs> and they're just, like, nonchalant. They're like, go back out there. But that's that's how it's the manipulation, because the people who are there are so desperate that when they go back to their existence, they realize how screwed they are, and that brings them back into the games. The show is just so so brilliantly written. I, I, I could go on about it, and I've gone about it for a few minutes now, but it is really a good show that's worth watching, and I definitely wanted to do a quick little review of that. It's, I mean, I, I won't, I'm not going to give it a rating. I'm just giving it a flat out recommendation. You just should watch the episodes, watch all the episodes because it is a good show. Um, okay. So that's about, oh, about nine minutes of content dedicated to Squid Game. Okay. I'll move on to something else. Um, moving on from Squid Game, I saw Venom Let There Be Carnage. Um, uh, you see, this is, Venom Let There Be Carnage is, it, it was like a, it was like the story of two movies, and, um, I may have mentioned this in the special episode of the James Bond, but I saw Venom Let There Be Carnage at the theater, and then the very next day at the same theater, I saw James Bond No Time to Die. And it was like the tale of two movies, where I saw Venom Let There Be Carnage, and that made me sort of lose faith in movies, while while James Bond No Time to Die actually gave me a little bit more faith in movies. But, you know, I already had my episode about James Bond, so I guess I'll focus more on Venom Let There Be Carnage. Okay, so Venom Let There Be Carnage. It's the sequel to Venom, which came out in 2019, which, it, like, to keep the initial story going further, I had only seen the that Venom movie, like, the actually, yeah, it was the day before. The day before, or actually the night before, I saw the original Venom movie because I held off for a while and I didn't really want to see it. But I eventually ended up getting on Blu-ray because it was like $8, like $8 Blu-ray. I'm like, well, shit, that's not bad. I'll watch it at some point. And so when Venom Let There Be Carnage hit theaters, I'm like, okay, well, I kind of want to see it because I like Carnage as a comic book character. And so that's when I was like, okay, I'll watch this Venom movie just so I'm not lost and this isn't just, you know, random stuff. Um, and I wasn't a huge fan of the Venom movie. It, it reminded me of the comic book movies before the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like pre-2004. Um, well, let's see. Yeah, Iron Man. Oh, sorry. Iron Man came out in 2000. Was it six? I think. I, I, that this, is a, this is why I have my trusty tab. My tab. I have a tablet nearby, so I can actually look stuff up, and make sure that I can get the you know dates right. Two thousand eight. Okay, it was two thousand eight. They. It was basically like a sorry pre two thousand eight comic book movie. It was like they didn't fully take it seriously. 
they treated Venom more as like a joke and this whole dynamic of, oh, what's happening to me? I, this has never happened to me before. This hasn't happened to anybody. I'm infected by the symbiote, et cetera, et cetera. He's infected by the symbiote, but really it's more about Tom Hardy and his relationship with Michelle Williams that completely falls apart and his life falls apart trying to take down this big evil guy. And so after the first Venom movie, you know, he ends up coming to terms with Venom and, you know, agreeing to, you know, have rules and boundaries and stuff if they're going, if Venom's going to inhabit his body and that kind of thing. So that's the setup for Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Venom, and then Venom, Let There Be Carnage, you get more scenes of Tom Hardy getting thrown around the room by Venom. You get another scene of Venom trying to make food for Tom Hardy and doing and failing miserably. And you, you even get a scene in Venom Let There Be Carnage where Venom is at a masquerade party and he has a bunch of glow sticks around his neck. That's a lot of fun. That's a ton of fun right there. Um... So Venom, let there be carnage. The reason why it makes me lose faith in, made me why it made me lose faith in movies is because it was really just a commercial, and in order for me to say what what the commercial's for, I would end up having to spoil basically the post credit scene, which is the only good scene. Real, well, sorry. The only real great scene in the movie. There's a couple of good scenes in there. But overall, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, it felt like it, it felt like it meant nothing because, as it turns out, it may not end up meaning anything in the end. You know, Carnage, he's just there. The way he becomes Carnage is really strange. And I sort of, like, see a see a potential plot hole in how he becomes Carnage, but... You know, hey, again, this is like a comic book movie that came out, and I would honestly say Venom Let There Be Carnage is like this too. It feels like a pre MCU two thousand eight, pre two thousand eight comic book movie where they're just like, hey, throw in Carnage, throw in Venom, throw in Sheik, just just throw in everybody, just throw in everybody that Sony has legal permission to use, and what you get is a sort of messy like set up for a character and then a follow through that may come through in a different set of movies and uh it, it was just exhausting you know the movie overall was just exhausting venom let there be carnage was a disappointing sort of lame movie and the few good scenes are overpowered by the mediocrity of everything how you know, Carnage isn't really that big of a deal. It's mostly about basically a bromance relationship between Venom and Tom Hardy, where they're a part where they break up, you know, and come back together, almost like a couples thing, you know, trying to, you know, make humor on that. Um, it's toned down, it's PG 13, and it feels like, you know, let's just have the characters do the gruesome thing, but then just sort of cut away and just not, and just, you know, show a different camera angle. And you just hear the special effects sound, like the gushy sounds. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I guess he ripped his head off or 
I guess he ripped them apart, but we don't see anything as the audience because, you know, they were just trying to make some money with this movie, you know, churn it out, just churn it out, get one more movie, get one more ticket buyer, just so those people who bought the ticket can go home disappointed while at the same time talking to their friends about what's going to happen in future Venom movies, you know, we'll see. We will see. Um, so overall, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, don't watch it. Just go on YouTube and watch the post credit scene. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. It's not worth your time. It's not worth watching. It's a filler of 90 minutes. I, I, I was getting more irritable sitting there watching the 90 minutes than watching James Bond. And James Bond's two hours and 45 minutes, you know. And Venom, Let There Be Carnage is like 90. So it... It just, the movie just sucks on all fronts. It's very, very frustrating. But, you know, there's people like me who go, will go out and say, just don't watch it. Just skip to the post credit scene and, you know, have have a good day. Um, alrighty, I'm, I'm gonna need to get a little bit of water, but I will be right back. Stay tuned. Hello everyone, just as a quick reminder, you can support the show in multiple ways. The first way is Linktree, that's linktr.ee slash thevgman, that's the link. You can also support the show via Anchor, anchor.fm slash thevgman slash support. And finally, you can also support the show via patreon.com slash thevgman. And on Patreon, you get the exclusive benefit of getting early access to my podcasts. All support is greatly, greatly appreciated, no matter how big or how small. It all goes to support this show. Thank you so much, and now, back to it. Alrighty, we're back. Um, let's see, what's next on the palette? Um, I'll do my only video game topic this week. Um, I'm going to give my brief impressions of Far Cry 6. Um, it's another Far Cry game. If you like Far Cry games, if you've played Far Cry games, then this is another one. Um, if you've never played a Far Cry game, um, this one's kind of okay. I'd, I'd more recommend you starting out with either Far Cry 3 or Far Cry 5, to be honest with you. But the games are essentially first-person shooter sandboxes. You are a character who has action-related um, action skills, you know, firing guns, throwing knives, guerrilla warfare, etc. And so, in, the, in this game, you have to, in Far Cry 6, you have to um, overthrow Anton, Casti Anton Castillo, who is played by Giancarlo Esposito, who's a great actor. And that's a lot of fun seeing him play a bad guy in the in the handful of scenes that he's in. Um, and he's also like doing like radio broadcasts as well as that. Like he's in, he, he's basically the villain throughout until the final confrontation where you finally face him face to face. Um, that I, if you've pl never played a Far Cry game before, I would recommend playing a previous one where the story a lot of times is very similar. There's a big tyrant who is taking over this island via, you know, abusive authorita uh, authoritarian tactics. 
and you are a guerrilla fighter who has to fight back and take them down. And you have to use your skills in order to, you know, kill people with takedowns and take out hideouts and etc. If you've played a Far Cry game before, it's it's it, I mean, I know I'm I'm saying this over and over again, but it is truly another Far Cry game. And so that can be either I mean, that can be a warm comfort for some because there's some diehard fans who just want that. But if you're wanting something new, I mean, no, this is this is Far Cry and with the new coat of paint and the new setting. Not quite as good as Far Cry 5, but I would honestly put it above Far Cry 4. So that's basically where I'd rank it. And then obviously Far Cry 3 is at the very, very top. Um, but yeah, I haven't beaten the game, so I can't do a full review. But the story is okay. You know, it's about, you know, meeting up with different guerrilla fighters and, you know, doing missions for them and then slowly taking down major areas and major bases that are owned by Anton Castillo, the big dictator, before you finally face, take down, take him down in a final battle, you know? Because, I mean, I know I haven't played through the game, but I've played Far Cry games, and I'm willing to bet that that's what's going to happen. I mean, you guys can correct me. You guys can correct me, but, you know, it is what it is. So, Far Cry 6, it's another Far Cry. Okay, so... That's the gaming, the gaming topic. Um, now, the whole section dedicated to Halloween movies. So I got the 4K Blu-rays, the new 4K Blu-rays of Halloween's one through five, and they like from a technical perspective, like not even just rating quality of the movie or anything like that it is just so so good looking it looks absolutely amazing it it really does have that 4k visual shine even though certain movies don't necessarily deserve it and i'm about to get to that in a few moments but i mean i'll give my impressions of one two and three in 4k and the simple word is amazing. Shout Factory and Scream Factory do great, great work on their 4K movies. They will sometimes have issues with printing errors and having to send out replacement discs and that kind of thing. But honestly, the effort that they put in to these movies is dedication. And, and that includes putting effort into movies that are not necessarily great. Like, obviously, 1 and 2 are good. Are, like, the original is awesome. The second one is decent. I think that's a good movie. I like Halloween 3, even though Halloween 3 is still a divisive movie to some people. Either some people see it as kind of a joke and stupid and a detriment to the Halloween franchise, and others have more of an open mind and, you know, are a bit more like, you know, if it was just given the chance to not be called a Halloween movie, I think more people would give a shit about it. But fortunately, nowadays, there's a resurgence of people who like Halloween 3, so that's a, that's a, that's definitely enjoyable. Um, but Halloween 4 and 5, um, those are the ones I wanted to talk about today. I had only seen parts of 4 and 5 throughout the years, but I never took the time to actually sit down and watch them all the way through because I'm like, 
I, I, I just don't care about any of this. Like any, anytime I see stuff, it's just like, I don't know, this looks sort of lame. Um, and so now that I got, because I wanted to get all five of the Halloween 4K Shout Factory releases, because I knew that they were going to be, they are going to be selling very well, and I want to make sure I get my hands on them before they get out, go out of print. Um, Halloween 4 in 4K. Um, a crappy movie that has an amazing look to it because of the 4K restoration. And the audio is as good as it is ever going to be. The issue is, is that it basically retreads, it's like, it's like this almost couldn't have, it didn't have to be a Halloween movie. It's like how some movies come about where they'll just take the exact same plot of another movie and just sort of change things here and there to make it technically its own thing, but no, not really, it's based on this other thing. That's sort of what this feels like. It has bits and pieces of Halloween, but then they bring in some new stuff in there, the new Cult of Thorn material, and that stuff just falls absolutely flat. Like that it that it, that's part of the reason why I was always just against the Cult of Thorn movies, which comprise of Halloween 4, 5, and 6. Because they took Halloween in a direction that absolutely did not need to go in. It did we don't need Michael Myers to be a cult figure, you know, somebody who is worshipped and he's the chosen one and he's trying to, you know, get another chosen one to the to the cult and yeah, the, I mean, I'm not I'm not reviewing Curse of Michael Myers because that move that movie just sucks flat out. Just I mean, just skip that one. Uh, uh, may, like it's interesting. Or those my review of those movies is. It's interesting one watching the producer's cut and the theatrical cut to see how they're different, but after that, there it's not worth it to ever watch those movies again. The Curse of Michael Myers sucks, big time. Four is probably the best of the. Th well, actually, actually, now that I think about it, I don't know. I I go back and forth. It it probably is the best of the Thorn trilogy, but only slightly over Halloween Five for me because Halloween Four and Five feel like a similar movie like it felt like it was shot around the same time and i it, it was only like maybe like a year or two after that they did halloween five so you know they got the actors from halloween four back they got um, danielle harris playing the little girl you know playing it her in both movies and just the big problem with it is that it there's no there's no great entertainment value to the movies at all there's no there's no it, like the original halloween movie wasn't explicit but if you're going to try to be like the sequel to halloween you got to have something new and this is like all the new stuff is cult of thorn and then everything else is recycled you know michael myers stalking in houses and you know it's, it's moments of silence and then something comes out and you know it it's formula movie making but i will say the opening scene of halloween 4 is really good where it's a lot of shots of like like a farm with all these different halloween direct decorations set up all over it and this play and halloween it's it's a really cool sequence 
I wish they played the Halloween theme during it, but either way, it's a really nice sequence. It's the it, like if they're if Halloween four isn't exactly a great movie, but that opening scene is a lot of fun. It sort of puts you in the Halloween spirit. And so, yeah, I, I think I've decided Halloween four is the best of the Thorn trilogy, but that's that's not saying much. Um so Halloween four, not really good, sort of worth skipping, not super great. Then we got Halloween 5, which same story as Halloween 4. I'd only seen parts of it here and there, but I never actually took the time to watch the movie flat out. And after watching both these movies, I know, I now know why I had reservations about watching these. They're just, they're just crummy. They're just not, they're not entertaining on the horror level. There's no entertaining, like, visual nature to it. There's no... You know, there's no good kills, there's no memorable characters, there's no um, interesting developments with Michael Myers. Dr. Loomis, it comes off as a jerk to basically everybody he talks to. And more so, like, in it, it feels like they sort of rewrote Dr. Loomis because Dr. Loomis wouldn't be this jerky to a little girl. And at one point in the movie, she, he uses the little girl as a human shield against Michael like it's like oh come down here michael come on get uh, get your get your niece and it's like you know dr loomis wouldn't do that i i don't i just don't believe the character would do that it just feels like a real extreme behavior and it sort of kills any tension that there was in the scene um but i mean since i watched it in 4k i mean it does look amazing i mean it, like the, the 4k can only help the movie so much it, it it's that's part of, also part of the reason I wanted to have these is because I'm fascinated with movies that are re up uh that, you know, you get the higher resolution version in 4K for movies that are just not very good. I, I sort of have a weird fascination with, like, who was, whose idea, like, for example, Howard the Duck. Who thought that would be a good idea to release Howard the Duck in 4K resolution? Like, I don't know who was interested in seeing Howard the Duck in 4K, you know, and similar effect to Halloween's 4 and 5. They're not great movies, but it is interesting seeing it with like, you know, a smooth frame rate. The film looks really nice. There's restoration. And so Halloween 4 and 5, they're not worth watching. It's all It all leads up to Curse of Thorn, which is a really bad movie. And the only things I can compliment is like little background details of, you know, camera work. But just because something's competently made doesn't necessarily mean it's good off the bat. I mean, it's, it feels like a low end production and they're just trying to release a movie because Friday the 13th had come out after the original Halloween and they felt, and it had a huge box office and they felt like they missed the opportunity and so for years, they were just like, let's do another Halloween movie, do another Halloween movie. And then eventually we get Return of Michael Myers and The Revenge of Michael Myers, which are the subtitles of four and five. And they don't add up to really anything. They're not, they're not great movies. Um, the, I guess there's one little footnote before I transitioned into the next review that I need to address is Halloween 5 comes with cut 
um, with a cutscene from the original movie that was known as the Dr. Death scene. And basically what it was is in Halloween 5, Michael Myers is thought to be killed and he's flowing down a river injured and he's taken in by somebody and resuscitated over the over a year to come back to Haddonfield in full strength. In the original intention was that it was this voodoo black magic figure who's living in a, sh a tent who decided to bring in Michael Myers once he saw it and bring him back using black magic rituals and restoration over over the last year. But then they decided to cut that and that footage was long thought to be lost until this Blu-ray. And so we get to see it. And for reference, the original, what the theatrical release was, was they had a, a mountain man, this mountain man who lived in a hut, who restored him over a, over a year, like back to full health. But, I mean, it still doesn't, it makes less sense in that case, because why would he bring a guy with a mask back to life when he was carrying a knife and all that stuff. I, and so Michael Myers just wakes up a year later and kills him, and it's like, oh, wow, big surprise. So it is interesting seeing this long-thought-to-be-lost Halloween 5 footage, but it's a small bonus feature in you know, a movie that doesn't really have a whole lot going for it. And there is some extra gore footage, that is that's there as a bonus feature but that bonus feature it i it's i don't even know if it's a minute long like it's just a small it's a few like insert shots that of gore that they had to take out because the MPAA at the time said no 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 you can't do that even though by today we've seen much worse in um R rated pictures but at the time MPAA was very strict on that kind of thing um and so ne next, following the theme of, you know, Halloween, since obviously Halloween is coming up, Halloween Kills, which was recently released in theaters. It's the 12th Halloween movie in, in the continuity, and it's the third in this newfound continuity of movies, where you have Halloween, and then it ignores all the sequels, and then you have Halloween 2018, then you have this one, Halloween Kills, and we're going to have Halloween Ends next year. Um, and so Halloween Kills, it was released in theaters and on the Peacock streaming service, which is how I watched it. I mean, it's five bucks a month. I mean, might as well, you know, just do it, cancel it, and then be good to go. The movie itself, it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag. It, on the horror level... On the slasher film level, it does satisfy because there are some brutal kills and there is some interesting character development and lore that develops. But the problem is, is that it retreads some things that they've done before. In Hollow, in I didn't even mention it because you know it was just kind of silly. But in Halloween Four, there's this whole thing where the town is mad about what happened years ago and now that they heard that Michael Myers is back they're going around and it's basically like a mob and they and they retread that in Halloween Kills where they a mob gets stirred up to try to kill Michael Myers now in this case the mob is stirred up by Tommy Doyle 
who is the little boy from the original Halloween movie, all grown up and now old man, who incites a mob, and and there's consequences that cut that go throughout, including Michael Myers' body count elevating, and it there is good stuff in it, but there like for there is it's not exactly a fantastic horror movie due in part because um character like the movie the characters do unique things and do things that are smart and intelligent up until basically the end where for plot convenience they do stupid things and they and they don't do definitive things and it feels like what happens at the end is underwhelming all, I guess because they're trying to set up this third and final movie coming out next year. And that felt kind of lame, because I knew it was going to end on a cliffhanger, but the cliffhanger in this movie is so steep. It's like, oh wow, you're just going to end it right there, okay. Um, it's just, I, I was shocked by that and the contrivance that they had to come up with at the end in order to have Michael Myers... Um, potentially survive something that's crazy that crazy i mean it it i don't know it's it's just not exactly a perfect movie but since it's you know that time of year it's halloween you know people want to see a halloween movie you know it's good on that front but honestly not good on a whole lot of other fronts um so you know if you're a horror fan recommend it but if you're not a horror fan don't really worry about it. It is Halloween 12 and, you know, we've had so many Halloween movies and, and so some, uh, you have to do something new and they did something new up until they, you know, had to fall back on certain cliches. And that was unfortunate. That, that, that bummed me out. So I, I do give a marginal recommendation to Halloween kills, but, you know, obviously I have reservations about it. Um, ah, my phone battery is getting low. Okay, I'm about to take a second break, but I will be right back, and I'll be finishing off the show with my review of Dune, the latest Denny Villeneuve movie. Um, see you when I get back. Just a moment. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to the show so far. I just want to drop in a quick reminder that you can now buy merchandise to support the show. All you got to do is go to teespring.com slash thevgman dash merch. That's teespring.com slash thevgman dash merch. I currently have a t-shirt on there now, and I'll be adding more merchandise in the future. So feel free to go to that website, check it out, maybe get yourself a shirt and support the show. Thank you so much, and now back to the show. Alrighty, I am back, and to finish off today's show, I am going to be doing a review of Dune. Now, this is a completely new perspective on Dune. I was never a fan of the 84 movie. Um, I saw it like once a long time ago, and I only remembered bits and pieces of it. I knew it was based on a book that was well regarded, but um, I still was kind of like, this looks interesting, but I don't know how I'm going to feel about it because I had no exposure to this material. Well, I, I'm happy to say that Dune Part 1, as it's actually 
called in the movie, is amazing. It's it's an amazing film. It's it's one of those films for film lovers. It, the every shot, every shot, every sequence feels like it was like a work of art. It 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 is so interesting and such a unique sci-fi universe that it's dark, but it's not like over the top with its darkness. It just has a natural darkness to it. It's PG-13, which is pretty amazing. There is some brutal stuff in there, but it never goes... It, do, it, doesn't, it doesn't show stuff for too long, but there is, like, decapitations and, you know, a car- um, and there is some, like, stabby violence, but a lot of the violence happens with, like, characters wearing shields, and there's not a whole lot of blood effects besides, you know, here and there. You know, there'll be a little bit of blood when a character gets stabbed or something like that. Um, but the, the movie feels ge- more genuine. You get more wrapped up into it. And so what is the story? The story is basically there is House Atreides, which is a honorable house, part of the system, who the, um, the emperor decides that he wants their family and their clan to move to Arrakis which is the dune planet where spice is manufactured which spices this very very important this powder that basically fuels the universe it fuels their intercellar travel and so whoever controls the dune controls can can potentially cripple the world like whoever controls the dune you would essentially have to answer to them or else you wouldn't be able to travel and do your interstellar travel. So, the the what the once the plan once they come to the planet, the people who were previously occupying it, you know the brutal um, hur- hurricanes. I think. I, I sorry, I'm messing that up. I'm gonna get the names of this to- uh, right soon. You know they're a brutal. Um, people who are planning to revenge and take them out once and for all. Um, and there is the Baron who is basically like a, like he's definitely an inspiration for Boba Fett. He's this large, sort of gluttonous, you know, fat, evil person who is just basically trying to play everybody's strings to his benefit. It's a great performance from uh, Stellan Skarsgård, who plays um, the Baron, and that's a fantastic villain performance. I can't wait to see him in part two. Um, the What I'm most blown away about is that it's able to take its time with its pacing and naturally give characters exposition and not have it feel forced or like you know, it's being shoved down your throat. It feels natural when the characters come up with a situation. They're like, this is what we have to do, you know. This this calls the worms, you know, the sandworms in the desert and stuff like that. And every image is a beautiful image. Um, if you're watching at home, watch it on the biggest TV you have. Don't, don't watch this on your tablet. Don't watch this on your phone. Watch it on a TV and the biggest TV you have. And or or just flat out go to the theaters and watch it on the big screen 
because this is a truly grand epic film that needs to be seen like it, it's it's getting people to go out of the theaters and want to watch it like they um I've like I've heard so many people going I watched it on HBO Max and it was so epic and awesome that now I want to go see it in IMAX because the idea of seeing it in IMAX is just oh my god that would be like a true experience it would be more it'd be more of an experience than a film and it's just epic in so many different ways with an all-star cast who all perform fantastic you know Josh Brolin's in the cast Dave Bautista Rebecca Ferguson um even the um the person that they have playing the the little kid Paul you know he was really good um he, uh, Jason Momoa is is good too and I said before Stellan Skarsgård he's great too it, it's it, everything just about the movie works and it absolutely should be seen um preferably on a big screen I want to go see it in the theater I just haven't had the time for it recently but I honestly may try to go um I I was trying to um at some point watch The Last Duel which is also out in theaters which has a all-star cast but after seeing Dune it's like well I, I kind of want to watch Dune on the big screen instead of that maybe I'll watch Last Duel later um because that's a that's a movie that I've heard deals with some tough subject matter, so I'd have to basically brace myself for that one. Um, if I do see it, if I do watch it in the next, if it's still in theaters, then I'll probably do a review on the next podcast, the November podcast. Um, but um, I mean that I don't know what more I can say for about Dune other than it's a flat out recommendation watch it i mean if you can't get out to the theater watch it on hbo max you know if you can go out to the theater then bonus points because this is just a grand epic film that needs to be seen it's slow burning in certain parts you know if you're wanting a action film you're probably not going to get it here because while there's action there it's more about the characters and the situations and what's going on and the politics of the universe that's what makes this movie interesting and and deep and not just your average science fiction film it's absolutely worth watching that's that's i guess what i want to say at the tip of this podcast here is that go see dune go watch dune it it's just so good um but uh that's that about wraps it up for this podcast this month so yeah a little bit shorter on this podcast but I already covered James Bond in the in the podcast I did previously, so be sure to check that out wherever you're listening to this. Um, but until the November podcast, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>